0: All right good morning like jose said i 'm jake i 'm one uh, i 'm not one of the pastors here actually so don 't yeah untrained unskilled um, i 'll give you guys the ability to give me some grace if this goes bad. How about that um, as jose said i 'm just happy to give the word you guys i 'm a detective, but I feel the Lord working through me through my work, um, and that 's expanded uh, to my family friends and just anybody who 's willing to listen. Um, last week, so you're hearing from me this week. Last week was Dave Twite. I don't know how many were here. That's my wife Hillary's father, my father-in-law. So me this week, Dave last week, next week Hillary. <laughs> if you saw her face, you'd be like, "What?" Um, that's a joke. She she is not. Uh, she just had a mini heart attack. I just thought that'd be great. I think next week's Jose. Um, for those who don't know me, I grew up in the Worthington. Actually, one of the detectives. Um, I help with the youth group as well, and. Dave did a great job. My my father-in-law is a special man, and um, I wasn't nervous until like six people asked me, hey, you're following Dave. Uh, you nervous? I said, now I am. Uh, now I'm nervous. Uh, Hillary, Hillary asked me the other day, are you nervous? And I said, I think I'm more anxious. I'm excited. I want to share God's word. And she reminded me of a truth. Uh, I am unskilled. I, I don't know God's word like I should. I haven't read through the whole Bible. I'm working on it. But she says, People want to hear from you, Jake, because it's real, and it is real. This is real to me. God is real to me, and he's revealed himself in so many ways. And I'm excited, and I'm just happy to share that with you guys here this morning. Um, The average life expectancy of a police officer after retirement is five years. So I retire at 55. I'm dead at 60. If I wait until retirement to share God's word, I'm missing out on 30, 40 years, you guys. So I'm here today because I love you guys, I have a heart for you guys, and God has something to say. Thursday, uh, I stayed up for 33 hours straight because I got called into work. I worked 25 hours out of those 33. And I'm going to be honest, I, have some, I had some doubts coming into this, you guys. I was tired, I was fatigued. Um, I had to check my heart. I had to pray, God, I apologize for minimizing you. I put this on me, this is my work. And I think I can do it, and that is not the message. God checked my heart. He woke me up at 5.30 this morning. He said, hey, Jake, you forgot to add this and this and this to your sermon. There's something God wants to tell you this morning, and he will give me strength to do it. Um, Scott asked me before he left, he goes, hey, brother, I want you to preach. I've done two for the youth group. Um, They went well. It was good. It was a good time. Sunday's a little different. You guys are scary. You got, Eddie's mean mugging me right now. <laughs> this, this is good. This is great. Um, before Scott left, I, I didn't give him a date because we had a family reunion. We just had a baby. Life's been pretty busy. Uh, I see the the schedule who's preaching. Some great speakers. Dan, okay. We had Mark. My father-in-law showed up for a fill-in for Luke. We had uh, Warren Cole, Jose, it works. I'm here. I'm excited. Um, today we're covering John 6, 35 through 44. Um, for those of you who are using the Bibles under your chairs, it's uh, page 607, the CSB edition. For everybody else, I find it. I don't know. Um, before I get into God's Word, the the topic and, and the title for the sermon is A Love That Draws You. And I'm excited to get into that. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I come to you. This morning with what little I have to offer in faith that you will do something great. God, I ask for you to open the hearts of those who are here, who are listening, who are hungry for your word, those who know you and those who don't. I pray for you to guide my speech and Lord for you to hide me behind your cross so your people can hear and see you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, John six forty four slide 2 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. We're going to get more into that later, but I wanted you to know the verse. To draw someone, to draw them in, means to have them be involved with what you're doing. Uh, another word for draw in this case would be call. Call somebody. Um, I don't like to golf alone. I'm not very good, but I don't like to golf alone, so I call my friends. They don't answer, so I text them. They don't answer the text, so I call them again. Right, Dustin? Um, I, try to draw, I try to draw my friends into my activity. Why? Because I enjoy their company. You guys, God enjoys your company. God is calling you to Him. He doesn't want you to live without Him. I want to tell you a story about a man. Uh, see those doors back there? The ones you walked in? Six years ago... A man walked through those doors. Uh, he gave me permission to share this. Some of you may know who he is. This man's friend invited him to Grace, and he thought of every reason not to come. He tried to find an excuse, but he couldn't find it. He just couldn't find one. Um, Philippians two thirteen says, "God works in you to will and to work for His good pleasure." The friend who invited this man, he is not some evangelist. He's not some Dave Twite telling people come to church. Hear God's word. Actually, I was told, I was the first one he actually gave a formal invite to. God gave him the will, and he chose to do the work to invite me, invite him that day. Growing up, the man said he doesn't remember hearing uh, about having a personal relationship with Jesus. That's pretty new to this man. Um, He thought he was good. He tried to do good things. Uh, He didn't have to worry about going to hell. He thought he had life figured out. And that church was for people who needed something. He was happy. He didn't need anything, so he thought. Why should he go? The thought of going to church made him worried. He was worried that people would say he's not dressed well enough. Um, he's underdressed. He'd have to sing a song. and He does, hasn't been warmed up, so he, his high notes aren't there. Um, couldn't hit the notes. He's worried the pastor would pressure him into giving his money away. This man enjoyed his money. This man's life before Christ did not have an image of the cross. Instead, there was a statue of himself. He was his own sense of fulfillment, his own idol. He looked to the things that he could have and grab and tangibly earn in order to gain happiness and fulfillment from this world. Money and material things were his focus, so he focused more on making a living than he did on making a life. He thought once he made a certain amount of money, had this car, had this house, um, then he would feel that fulfillment and that purpose that he's so longing for. He's chasing after it. This man had a problem with alcohol. Maybe some of you know a family member who has a problem with alcohol. There's hope in Jesus Christ. He couldn't drink just to have fun. He drank till he blacked out and and fought people. Waking up hungover and, and regretful the next day. He was quick to be angered. Angry men are strong. Angry men are dominant. I want, he wants people to think he's dominant. This man struggled with sexual sins, lying, deceiving, being jealous of his friends and neighbors. He lived constantly feeling like he had something to prove. Maybe some of you feel that way today. If you ask his friends and family, they'd say he's selfish. He centered on himself, and he is conceited. He never felt good enough, strong enough. He put on a fake persona, and he wanted people to think he had it all figured out. He had friends. uh, Girls seemed to like him. He thought he was good, good in life, and good with Jesus. And it's probably got the best of him. He was blinded by the devil. That's what he does. He blinds the unbelievers. He was blinded to the truth of God's love. Six years ago, this man walked through those doors at Grace Community Church, and he found something he didn't even know he was missing. Who is this man if I didn't give it away already, and what did he find? Slide three. Blaise Pascal says there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus. We look through today's passage in John 6. We have to summarize. In my opinion, we have to summarize what led up to it to really get the full effect of what happens here. At the start of John 6, we look at Matthew 14. In Matthew 14, which is where 6 starts, John 6 starts, Jesus learns his close friend, John the Baptist, is killed, beheaded by Herod. Herod knows what Jesus is up to, so now would probably be a good time to chill, right? Like, maybe lay low, uh, play some video games, do something. What, what does Jesus do? He gathers his disciples, and he goes to be alone with them. I imagine at the death of his friend, Jesus is grieving. We talked about grief. We've talked about hard times. Um, I think of a time last last year when my wife and I um, were excited. We were trying to get pregnant, and we were very fortunate and blessed to conceive uh, rather quickly. What comes with that? What's the baby's name going to be? Will she, will she be a she or a, or a he, a little boy or a little girl? What's the nursery going to look like? So we start setting these things up. Um, five weeks later, our happiness and excitement turns to uh, deep sorrow and grief as we deal with the loss of our unborn baby. Uh, as we grieve our miscarriage, I'll be honest, I was selfish. I didn't think about the needs or the wants of others. And I felt like withdrawing and not being around anyone. <clears throat> That's exactly the opposite as uh, what I usually am an extrovert how did Jesus our lord how did he respond when he's grieving as Jesus and his disciples got closer to their place of isolation what did they see 5000 men not including women and children waiting for them <sighs> these people were curious who is this miracle man who is Jesus of Nazareth healing people what is he doing we want to see he, they were curious We are curious. A new food truck comes into town. I'm there. Tacos, barbecue, burritos, name it. I'm there. The food's so good. I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to taste it. I want to experience it, right? We're curious. This crowd is curious. We know what that's like. Seeing the large crowd, what did Jesus do? He doesn't say, turn this boat around, boys. We're going to be alone. He sees them, and he sees that they're like lost sheep without a shepherd. They cannot spiritually feed cleanse, or provide for themselves. God sees that in us. He sees that we are unable to provide, feed, clothe our own selves spiritually. Jesus, he welcomes them. He healed those who are sick. This is who he is. Through our struggles, our addiction, our struggles with lust, a a sin-filled life, he grieves with us in our time of loss, and he doesn't turn away as I would. He is merciful to tend to our needs. Going forward, the crowd, huge crowd, they grow hungry. The disciples say, Jesus, we don't, have, we don't have any food. They should probably go get some food, huh? I'm hungry. I know what that's like. Um, Jesus says, well, just give me what you got. Well, they don't have anything. So they go to a boy in the crowd, and he has five loaves of bread, two fishes. The boy was willing to give up the little that he had. Jesus blesses that food, and the disciples go on to feed all the men, women, and children. After they are done eating, they had more than they could eat. Jesus said, go pick up what's left. We don't want any to go to waste. And what do they find? Twelve baskets. Twelve disciples, twelve baskets. If we give God a little, he will do a lot, but he'll also provide, provide when we're in a time of need. And these disciples were hungry just like the crowd. God can do a lot with a little. We just have to have faith to give it to him. Uh, Jesus can sense that the crowd is, is looking to him as their earthly king. So, again, he tries to go away, be away for a while. They cross the sea. The disciples get in a storm in the boat. They have the miracle bread in the boat with them. What do they do? you think they trust Jesus? Nope. They worry. They're afraid. Help us. Somebody help us. How about the guy who gave you the bread? (laughs) Jesus walks on by them, walks on water. Different sermon for a different day. But are we often like that? God shows up huge a week later. Where are you? God, are you real? We are forgetful people, but God is kind and merciful to remind us. The crowd asks. um, Going forward, they get to the other side. The crowd follows them over to the other side. Like, I don't know, Jesus isn't playing hard to get. He just wants to be alone. The crowd follows them, and Jesus confronts them with something. Jesus tells them, you just had the bread, the physical bread, in which I gave you. You are seeking me for the physical things that you can get from this life, but you should be seeking the one who has sent him because only he can provide. Seek the one, the Son of Man, and he will give. Talking about spiritual food. The crowd asked what works they can do. What works does God require from us in order to get this, this spiritual food? If we're not supposed to get the physical, what can we do to get the spiritual? And you know what Jesus tells them? Verse 29 Right before our passage today, Jesus tells them God only requires them to believe in him, the one who he has sent. He makes it easy for us. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not by your own doing, it is a gift of God. If we humble ourselves to our dire need for a Savior, Jesus will not turn us away. We cannot earn our faith, it is simply a gift, you guys. Moving to today's passage, John 35. John 6, through 37. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, I have seen, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Here Jesus declares he himself is the one sent by God. And in order to no longer have spiritual hunger or thirst, we must believe in him. Faith is the key piece here, you guys. He's asking that we trust him. We are trusting God when we don't know what tomorrow brings. The crowd has seen the miracles, eaten the bread, and yet they're focused on their physical hunger being met. The hunger of an empty stomach tells us there must be food. The hunger for a transcendent purpose and meaning for our lives that we so crave tells us there must be someone who created us. There must be a creator. In verse 37, Jesus says, And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. God sometimes puts up roadblocks in our lives. Uh, Like I said, I'm a detective. Um, Sometimes I direct traffic. When I'm directing traffic, my squad car parked in the middle of the road. Lights on. You can't miss it. You can see it from five miles away. Uh, I'm wearing a, a bright vest. You can see me. You can see the orange cones. We're telling you, don't come here. Right? This is a roadblock. God does this to direct us. Okay? God is directing us where to go. I have people come up to me and say, Hey, I see that you're here and you have all this stuff going on, but can I just go around you? No. You guys, God's going like this. Guy, put the roadblock up. What are they doing? Where are they going? He'll let us wander. But he's there when we come back. Thank the Lord for he's merciful and gracious to redirect us. And when we wander, he draws us back to him. John 6, 38 through 40. Moving on. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, Jesus says. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Here Jesus is telling the crowd the signs and the miracles, the bread, the healing... Those things that he does, they are the will of the Father. He is drawing us to himself through those things, okay? But this is not the sole purpose of his mission. God wants us to be saved and to live in eternity with him. We can trust that God wants everyone to be saved by putting their faith in his son, Jesus, because Jesus himself tells us this. Uh, John 12, 32, later on in the Book And when I'm lifted up on earth, I will draw everyone to myself. Jesus said he would draw all to him when he is lifted up on the cross. He predicted it. He knew. He said all. He didn't say some. Those who are good. Those who are bad. He said all who are willing. Jesus tells us he will raise us up on the last day. You guys, he is our assurance. Okay? We have car insurance. House insurance. We have eternity insurance. When we put our faith in Christ, we don't have to worry we don't have to wonder if we're actually saved or not. He alone and he will never leave us. When we lose our way and we stray from God, we don't have to wonder if we're still welcome in heaven. Romans ten nine, Paul says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's no question here. There's no wonder. I enjoy this uh, quote from Pastor Alan Redpath. The conversion of a soul is a miracle of a moment. The manufacture of a saint is the task of a lifetime. God develops our character throughout our lifetime. Even though we are a new person in Christ, we will stray. We will struggle. We will sin. However, God uses all these things for His glory, and He will shape our character in time. The next slide is some unknown theologian. I don't know if you know him. That's me. I was. It's kind of a silly joke, but I was looking back on some Facebook stuff recently. I was thinking about deleting it, but then I came upon this uh, from earlier this year, and I thought it was just a good reminder to me how God has changed my perspective on things. Uh, my dad is a, a barn repair guy, and uh, he and our friend uh, and John and I were going to go fix that barn, Uh, The day before, it ends up collapsing. We knew it was a dangerous job, but the barn collapsed. God saved us from that barn. Old me would have said, that's a lot of money we're missing out on. Like, I wish we could fix that barn. The new me says, Lord, thank you for your protection and for not even allowing us to go in. Trials come up in my life. The old me, oh, man, why does this have to happen? This sucks. Uh, The new me, God, show me what you want me to learn from this and help me become the man you created me to be. Good things happen. Old me, look how hard I worked to make this happen. New me, thank you, God, for your countless blessings in which I'm undeserving. Lord, thank you for saving my heart and soul, not for just eternity, but for life here on earth. And the next slide. That's a little baby Um, Moving forward. She's cute. She's in the back if you want to check her out. (laughs) Verses 41, 42. At this time... So Jesus is saying some hef- heavy things here. You guys, you you can't earn it. I am the bread of life. I'm I'm down from heaven. The Jews begin to grumble about him because he said, "I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven." They said, "This is Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I came down from heaven?" Well, Jesus previously criticized the Pharisees for seeking the scriptures for eternal life, yet the scriptures point to Jesus as the source of eternal life, and they choose not to recognize him. You guys, our human nature, my human nature, is to rebel and resist God, and he knows this. This is why he gives us a choice. Our natural instinct is to resist and turn away, so when we choose to give him our hearts, our souls, when we choose to turn to him, it must be out of genuine love. That's what he's looking for. True love requires a choice. Recently, I told Hillary I was going to shave my mustache. It kind of gets in my mouth, and it's itchy and what have you, but uh, she told me she wants me to keep it. And as you can see, we compromised. I have the mustache. My wife is drawn to me because the mustache attracts her somehow. (laughs) However, however, this is key, she does not love me, Just because of this attraction. Let's think about that. God offers us many things. Many things which are attractive to us. Everlasting life. Wisdom. Peace. Strength. He cleanses our sin. He gives us hope. He transforms our hearts. And He gives us rest for our souls. Just to name a few. God wants us to choose Him with our hearts. For the work He has done on the cross. Not for the attractive things that He offers. God made it easy for us to gain salvation because he knows just how hard our hearts are. God wants us to choose to put our faith in his son, and true love requires that choice. Moving forward, 43 and 44. Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, he's to the point. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. If you ask that man from the story why he came to Grace Church that first time six years ago, he'd tell you he didn't even know. He'd tell you he felt compelled to enter God's house. Being compelled, you just saw baby Margot on the screen. Being compelled is when her little cheeks are so pudgy and she's just smiling away and I can't help but touch them. That's compelled. I have no other choice. There's no other choice that makes sense. Why are you here today? Do you feel a compelling, po- compelling force in your heart telling you there's no other choice? Did your friend ask you to come? Did your wife drag you here again? Did your persistent but loving friend Jake ask you to come? Maybe. God is drawing us to his throne of grace, not his throne of judgment. And if God wasn't drawing you to him, there'd be no need for this cross, you guys. Can some of you see the sled over there? Some, maybe. So this whole time, Worship, the prayers, the messages. The sled has been sitting here. Okay? Draw in the Greek means dragged. We are the sled. The Lord is here drawing us. Are we moving to Him? Did it move? If it moved, somebody tell me. But did it move? The sled didn't move. It's weighted down. It's hard-headed. It's untrusting. It's, I don't know, maybe a little finicky with the faith thing. But God is drawing us to Him. You see that? God brings us... who, Who put the weight on this thing? God brings us to Him. He draws us to Him. He's dragging us to Him. But... Here He is. If I don't put my faith in Him, if we don't put our faith in Him, how do we expect to be on the same plane as He is? You guys, life without Christ is an uphill battle. With Him He gives us strength. He is our hope. As we go along, we've accepted Christ. Oh, we're walking with him. This is great. Uh, There's still some things I'm dealing with. But what does he do? He's he's kind. He removes some of the weight dragging us down. Man, life is tough and things are going going so bad, but there's a little bit of hope and I don't know what to do. I'm going to turn to God and he's going to cleanse me. I screwed up again. I sinned again. Lord, forgive me. I'm repenting for my sins. I need you. God gets rid of that heavy weight, you guys. Who put so many on here? Trust? may seem small. Oh, I'm not so trusting. God will show up day in and day out, and you can trust Him to remove that load, you guys. He's drawing you to Him. Don't be dead weight. Seek Him. Look for Him. Read His Word. He, he knows you intimately. He wants you to know Him. Uh, Slide thirteen. How does God draw us to Him? We just saw one way there, but there are ways in which those who are being drawn to salvation experience that. First, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sinful state and our need for a Savior, John sixteen eight. Second, He awakens in us a previously unknown interest in spiritual things and creates desire for them that was never there before. Suddenly, our ears are open, our hearts are inclined toward Him. And his word, his word begins to take a new hold and a fascination for us. Our spirits begin to discern spiritual truth that never made sense to us before. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and, they cannot, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. First Corinthians 2.14 Finally, we begin to have new desires. He places within, within us a new heart that inclines toward him, a heart that desires to know Him, obey Him, and walk in the newness of life that He has promised. Romans six four. The Holy Spirit works to convict us when we sin, re- reminding us of our need for a Savior. Earlier this week, there was a big bush in my yard and I wanted to get rid of it. It was super hot, so I picked the hottest time of the day for some reason, and this chain kept falling off the bush. Falling off and falling off, and like the sixth time, my neighbor's could probably attest to this, Um, there were some choice words said to the bush, Uh, to the chain, to the truck, I don't know, just to, to anybody who would listen, and the Holy Spirit convicted me in that moment, reminding me of how I should conduct myself, sometimes we lose our way, you guys, but as my wife would remind me, life is too short to be mad at a bush, or trees, or the grass, the Holy Spirit reminds us these things. God sent His Holy, His Holy Spirit to advocate for us and to, to draw us to Him. Real quickly, some more ways God draws us. The Word of God, preachers of the Word, our conscience, the body of Christ, all of you. We're drawn through prayer. We're drawn through God's goodness, our fear of death. We're drawn to God by loving our enemies, by forgiving, forgiving those who sin against us. God also draws us to Him through relationships, circumstances, and even through our trials and tragedies. How do we distance ourselves, you guys? We live in unrepentant sin. We try to earn our salvation. He told us it cannot be earned. We do not trust in the Lord. We get stuck in our pride. We don't love our neighbors. How do I know if I'm drawn by God? How do, how do I know this? You might be thinking, my, my friend just hasn't come to know the Lord. My dad's struggling with it. Um, you know, my, my cousin, he was a believer, but now he's not. But now he might be again. Well, what can I lean on to know? We can trust that God wants everyone to be saved by putting their faith in Jesus. Because the Bible tells us in First Timothy 2, 4 through 6, God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. God loves us so much that He draws us to Him and He gives us no excuse. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. The Bible tells us we are drawn and we have no excuse, you guys. He came near to us He gave us a way to salvation through Christ and Christ alone, and he did the work. All we have to do is believe in him, and we are saved through him alone. King David. I love King David. I relate to that man so much. Not so much the good, a lot on the bad. King David was drawn and chosen by God. God picked him. He followed God's plan, and he had great successes, but he still endured trials There's a point in David's life where he strayed from God and followed followed his own desires. He had an affair with Bathsheba, getting her pregnant and then having her husband killed. We can see David's heart when the Bible tells us David acknowledged his sin. And we see God's heart when the Bible tells us God took his sin away so that he would not spiritually die. However, David was punished here on earth for his choices. David experienced pain from the sins that he did, including death of his newborn son. Man, that hits home. David was a withdrawn father and husband as he struggled with the shame and guilt that he felt. David's daughter was sexually assaulted by his own son, her brother, and David did nothing to protect her. David was considered blameless in God's eyes after all of that. And I think some days, am I worth saving? You guys, we are all in need of a Savior. We can be drawn by God, respond to his grace, and still mess things up. God's commandments are not punishments. They are parameters. He wants us to follow his design for our life because he knows when we are in close relationship with him, then we are able to experience lasting joy in this life. During his time on earth, Jesus drew near to the broken, and he continues to do that today. Jesus drew near to the woman at the well who had many husbands. He seeks out those who are lost. He goes looking for the drifter. When he encounters that lukewarm Christian, he's drawing you in. He knows there's more to to life than this. When he gives us mercy, when we commit that same sin again and again. He even loves us when we rebel against him. Remember, the Apostle Paul, he was killing Christians and God drew near to him. He made it apparent. God is drawing us out of his love and it's his gracious, unconditional, unfailing love that keeps us coming back to him. So who is this man in the story who walked through those doors six years ago? The man who is a lost soul actively rebelling against God with a compelling feeling in his heart to show up to this church anyway. That man is me if I didn't give it away. And even though I was rebelling against him, he loved me enough to draw me to him, and he loves you that same way. I was selfish. I focused on material things. I had a problem with drinking where I couldn't just do it without blacking out and having not a good night. I was quick to get angry because I wanted people to think I was strong. I didn't know that God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. I didn't know this. So I was trying to manufacture my own strength. I struggle with many sins, and I, I still do today, but God gives me hope. And he forgives me every time. God forgives you every time you stray. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-15, for Christ's love compels us, we've talked about that word, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Are you living for Jesus? Six years ago, God drew me to him through an invite to this church from my friend Dustin Romling. If you know Dustin, he's not... Too big on evangelism, but he hit home here. I thought of any excuse I could, but I couldn't think of one as a single dude with nothing to do. I couldn't think of an excuse not to come. I had a choice, and I want to be clear. God gives us a choice, the ability to choose his law, but at that time I felt there was no other choice that made sense. I stand before you in complete humility because I wouldn't be up here. I wouldn't have my beautiful wife or our sweet baby girl if I didn't respond to God's drawing love that was drawing me in. He knew my heart was ready to hear about his love for me. I know I have nothing, done nothing to deserve his grace or his love, but the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you feel unworthy? We are, but God doesn't care. God wants your heart. I came to Grace Church, and for the first time, I felt the love of Jesus for real. Scott was on sabbatical. Familiar? (laughs) This thing's full circle here. Um, It wasn't a special pastor or an impactful sermon, although the speakers we've had have been just amazing. I hope that I can be put in the category of of doing well up here, you guys. They they made it tough to follow. You guys here, you guys are the ones that kept me coming back. Scott's gone. Who's here? Who is Grace Church? It's everyone in this room. You showed me love by welcoming a 23-year-old kid who didn't know what he was looking for. In God's perfect timing, my heart was open to respond to him. And accepting Christ into my heart has changed me in ways I never imagined. I have peace where I used to worry, strength where I was weak, hope where there was none, and a heart for the broken and the lost. He is the source of joy in my life, and my prayer is for every one of you to know this joy. Last week, my father-in-law shared how Christ in us is the secret to an abundant life, and that's the truest thing I've found to real joy. I try to be conscious, and notice I say try, it doesn't happen, each day to ask Jesus into my life to do his works through me. Be my hands, be my feet, be my eyes so I can see those who you want me to see. Be my mouth so I can speak your truth, not in a way that offends people, but in a way that welcomes them in. When I do this, he shows up in big ways, ways that Jake, without Jesus, would have just overlooked. He would not have had time. I call this next slide, God at work. I'm a detective, like I said, <clears throat> like I said but in this incident, I was working an extra shift as a patrolman. Um, we get called to a couple who's fighting in, in a parking lot. Not a big deal. We get that all the time. We hear about their story. Why are they here? They're addicted to drugs. They've tried to quit. They have two little kids. Man, woman, two little ba- two little babies, like young. They've tried to quit, tried to quit, tried to quit, but their support system isn't allowing them to. So what do they do? They pack in that car. It was a hunk of junk, and I'll tell you, as we get through this, that's going to be important. And they pack in the car and they leave. They break down in South Dakota. They're in a rest area, not sure what to do, um, letting the car cool down. They say an older couple randomly comes up to them. Hey, can we pray for you? Well, us? Uh, We're just kind of hanging out here. We didn't ask for that. No, like we saw you sitting here and something told us to come pray for you. So he tells us that after there's this tap on my head, and as we're talking to him, oh, your car's breaking down. Maybe you need money for food. You got little kids. Maybe you need money for gas. Nope, we're good. We don't need those things. Um, we're not sure what we need. Maybe a new car? Like we don't have a new car to give as a police department, and I, I didn't have a spare one. So I just I felt this tapping. Ask him if you can pray for him. So I did. I said, Hey, could we? You don't need money and stuff. Could we pray for you? Like, could I pray for you? Is that cool? That's when he tells me about the older couple in South Dakota. You're the second person today. What is happening here? My grandma died. She was the only one in my family who took us to church. I haven't been to church in 20 years. I don't know if God's real, but today he comes to me twice. We pray for him. That was a response I had not expected. We pray for their journey, for their vehicle, for God to provide. And I received this call a few weeks later.
1: Hey, Mr. Walker. This is Stephen and Brandy. Uh, we met, um, down in Worthington, uh, about a month ago. Um, we had a run-in with you guys. Uh, we're just calling today to see how you were doing and let you know that we're still okay. And we're actually in, uh, Minneapolis. Uh, we've been staying at a, a shelter called Mary's Place. Um, it's really beautiful and we've been blessed and, you know, the blessing started as soon as, uh, We were able to uh, bear arms together as a family and pray to our Father, and you did that for us. And um, so far, everything's looking up, and we're hoping to get into our own place here in a couple weeks. Um, Like I said, we're just calling to check on you, and thank you for everything. Thank you for your prayers, your concern, and your time. And blessings to you and yours from us. Thank you. Our phone number. And our number is... Uh, call us anytime. Thank you. Have a blessed day.
0: So this is, and I hear that, and I connect. I call him back. I connect with him about their journey, and this is what I find out. He tells me, Jake, the moment we left, something was different. Um, we made it all the way to our journey. Our car had been breaking down every thirty miles all the way to Minneapolis. We break down in a church parking lot. The church. Sees us struggling, <clears throat> struggling. They have a spare car for us. They connect us with Mary's place. Um, we haven't used drugs in months. Something happened when we met you. And he just thanked me. Here's the thing as police officers, we come, things are not great, we fix it somewhat, and then we have to leave to the next thing. I asked him, Do you need money for food? Do you need money for gas? They probably did. They didn't accept it. And I think that was for God to teach me a lesson. What I tried didn't work. Would you pray for them? We pray and God shows me that he can provide. I can't fix these guys' issues. God can. We have to be willing and open and he will use us, you guys. I have... I've like eight eight stories I can tell here but we're a little bit short on time. One I want to mention is that when you when you pray when I start my day asking God to show up, he does. Is it every day? I think it's every day, but I miss it. I miss it because I'm blinded. My pride's in the way, I'm, my ego, my selfishness, but when I truly submit to him and say, "Lord, this is your day. Use me. Use my position as a detective." People aren't always happy to see me. Use that. Do your work because the work that I do is nothing without you. Earlier um, this year, there was a tragic incident in our our town. Um, Someone took their own life and I was not a part of that. Um, I had nothing to do with it. Didn't respond, didn't write a report. I had nothing to do with it. And weeks later... An email comes to our chief, and they're referencing that incident and how the officers responded, and they showed kindness in their heart. They showed these people in a a dire time of need, the responding friends and family and and community, that they were there to help them, not hurt them. And to my surprise, the person writing the letter brings me up. I did nothing with that incident, but somehow God is using me and my job to make impacts that... Without him, I would have just missed. God can do that same for you. God will use you, his people, to draw others to him if you are willing. The last slide that I have here is John fifteen 13. We're his friends. God loves, greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. We're his enemy. We rebel against him. We stray. We sin. We curse his name. He calls us friends. God sent his son Jesus so he could draw near to you. The Lord's drawing love always wants to bring you closer to him because he loves you too much to leave you wandering alone through life. God's drawing you to a life filled with joy that only he can give you. We are created to live in close relationship with the Lord, and he draws us to him so he can live through us. My prayer is for you to respond to the Lord every single day so he can do just that. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I said a lot and I probably went over my time, but I, I just pray that whatever you had to say out of all those words, your people would feel that, hear that, see that, that you can take a broken, lost soul like me, me, God, and use me to do your work, you can do the same for them. God, I pray that they're just open to hearing that, and that the stone that I put in their shoe can just be a constant reminder that you are working a greater good, and you do the work, God. You save souls. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.